Hello, uh, here we are again with a very special session of our Music Force series. I'm Dinish Guarda and uh, I'm the host of the Dinish Guarda Cities ABC Open Business Council YouTube podcast series. And uh, I'm excited about this series because this is something that I love about creativity, about music, about the process of creating something special. And of course, I have my special guest and friend, Amrita Sen, that uh, she's a very special woman, like we discussed before, that she's, I would say, one of the most fascinating creative persons I ever met because she has the passion for the music, for the writing, for the singing, for the composer, and as well for thinking ideas, narratives. But as well, she is a very high-profile business lady in Hollywood, Bollywood, and a lot of other things that we've been talking before. We've been talking about the concept of music for. So music is one of the most universal concepts and actually things that touch anyone in the planet. From a tribe in Australia to someone in Amazon, everyone loves music. And of course, Amrita has this magic of looking at, first of all, the history of music from the perspective of Indian tradition, but then looking at the best of Hollywood and Hollywood, where she's actually based at the moment, and actually putting this together. So in the last volume one, we touch the idea of music for Buddha. And what do we mean by this? So this was for the people that saw the first episode, and I think it's good that we see it, is touching who was Buddha and the inspiration from Buddha's wife. And I think this is particularly beautiful because, of course, Buddha is an universal personality that touches almost any civilization and, of course, is an historical figure as well. And what Amrita did was that she created, for me, the film, and hopefully the film will be made after this, um, a history that is a partly fictional but partly has some kind of basis in reality of what would be the narrative of the wife of Buddha after Buddha left the family for the years that were the foundational years for launching what we have now as the Buddha narrative, the Buddha iconography, and as well the Buddha concepts and education. So today we're going precisely to finish the first part of the, the second part of the story and as well understand this beautiful story that now is the creativity of Amrita that you're going to share and talking about this in this episode. And then on the second part, we're going to be talking as well about the books that Amrita has been uh, writing and creating, because it's really a creative book from every detail. Some of them you can find it on Amazon, others you can find it on Issue, and Amrita is going to share that with us. So Amrita, I'm actually very excited for this second series. Thank you, Denis. Pleasure to be here. So Amrita, so... Um, Last time we started about the principle of the story that you wrote based on Buddha. And the story is really exciting. Actually, all the team and everyone that was for this was super excited. I'm sure like you guys listening to us. So let's go through the beginning of the story and let's finalize the story today. That's great. Well, what I'm going to do right now is read excerpts from the book. And then um, I will encourage you to go to my website, amritasen.com, go to the book section and read either the regular version of Awaken, the story of Buddha's wife, or the wall art version. Today I'll be reading from the excerpts of, uh, reading excerpts from the wall art version. 
So the story actually starts with a very young girl. Her name is Yoshadara. And she didn't like her name. She thought it was too long and hard to say. So each time she was asked her name, she said, call me Dara. It's simple, like me. Dara was raised in a very small house on a giant field. The field was given to her parents many years ago in exchange for leaving their home in the city. Dara's father was not happy with his life in the city and wanted to leave. When a local landlord offered him a small amount of money and a barren field in exchange for this house, Dara's father gladly accepted. I will become a farmer so I don't have to answer to anyone said Dara's father. And so Dara and her family left and moved far from the city. Dara did not mind living in her small house all that much, but what made her very happy was to be near the old tree that stood in the middle of their field. Somehow the tree reminded her of what was out there and not of where she had lived at the moment. One day, Dara's father said, I will cut down this tree. Dara pleaded with her father not to cut the tree, but her father was determined to cut down the tree. It is dying, he said. It sheds its wretched leaves and I cannot farm on this field. Dara implored to her father again, I will rake the leaves each morning and each night. Our field will be so clean, you will never want to cut down this tree. So Dara woke up each morning before the sun arose and raked the leaves. The field was glistening by dawn and ready for farming. Each evening she picked up the leaves by hand, so by the dark nighttime the field would glisten again, but this time under the light of the moon. As the years went by, Dara noticed that the tree was shedding more and more leaves. She could not keep up with the tree shedding as quickly as she was once able to. But this did not bother Dara as there was not much else to do at home. Dara's parents were always very sad and she did not know why. And thus, Dara kept to herself and tended to her tree. In return, Dara's tree showered her with even more leaves and Dara felt peace. One day, a group of girls asked Dara to play with them after school. Dara quickly responded and said, I cannot. I must attend to something at home. When learning of the actual reason why Dara could not play, the group of girls laughed at her. Dara felt, Dara feeling left out, said perhaps she could join them for just a short while. During their playtime, Dara realized that far more time had passed than she had expected. She hastily gathered her things, left the girls and ran home. Dara ran and ran until she could barely breathe. She prayed that not too many leaves had already fallen so that her father would not become angry with her. Please God, she said to herself, let my tree be gentle with his gifts so he does not draw too much attention. When Dara reached home, her heart sank. The tree was gone. She found her mother crying and her father sitting with a satisfied look on his face. Dara stood in shock. She could not speak. 
Finally, Dara mustered up the courage to ask her father what had happened to her tree. I cut it into little pieces. It is now firewood for some other family. Dara could not even cry at the thought of this. She went to her room and stayed inside. That night, Dara packed the only dress she owned and left her home alone on foot. She would never come back to the small house or to her family again. This is very special what you just read for us. And um, I urge everyone to listen to us, that is listening to us to look at uh, both your music on Spotify because this album is available there as an album as well. And as well to, to find your book on issue, which you're going to put the notes and the links to the, the book. But I would like to ask you here right now is, to do this, there's a huge creative process that implies researching about the history of Buddha, all the traditions, all the history related, but as well, all the narrative, because you, you build an entire narrative that can actually, well, it's a book, it's illustrations that was done and actually a beautiful book that I urge everyone that likes illustration to see and, and drawing. But as well, there's an entire conceptual uh, thinking around this. So I'd like to see, well, first of all, talk about your creative process and um, how did you work on this creative process around this? Um, the creative process was very much centered around a topic I wanted to talk about. And that was the origin. The topic I wanted to talk about was the role of women in the building of these ancient religious mythologies. Because when I noticed that, um, if you think about Israel being the myth factory of the world and India being the myth factory of the world, they created these magnificent religions, Christianity, uh, Judaism, Islam in that general area, as far as North India is the religion of Hinduism, is Buddhism. They're all really told from the point of view of the, I guess the alpha male of that society or whoever was the male leader of the time. But it doesn't seem probable to me that that was the only participant in creating those religions. It, it's more likely that they had a strong influence from the females in their lives. And now, um, since we as a society are more open to hearing about women's stories, I thought, well, how pathbreaking would it be to just do a new mythology, still using the premise of these religions, but tell them from the standpoint of the female character. So I actually set out to do two different mythologies from the standpoint of the female character. And both are, both are illustrated books. One is Radha Krishna, which is now told from the story of Radha, the, um, the female lead. And the second one was Awaken, the story of Buddha's wife. So if you're putting yourself in the shoes of Buddha's wife, what would life have been like at the time? 600 BC, your husband decides, I don't like my money anymore and I'm going to leave and you have a little kid and I'm off. <laughs> I'm going to go and create a religion. I don't think at the time she was happy about that. So that was that realization of what life would have been like for her was probably the spark that made me think, okay, I wanna write this book. 
And once you have the spark, for me, at least my creative process, Dennis, is just to go and do tons of research. You know, I know the general area, the general lane I want to live in, which is retelling mythology from the standpoint of her. But then I go and read books. I read articles. There is there are several books about the story of Yashadhara, which is Buddha's cousin, first cousin and wife, and even her role in starting the Bukini movement, which became a fabulous women's movement towards this enlightenment thing that they were trying to spread. And, you know, and the rest was just came very naturally. Once I'd written, once I'd read probably the hundredth article about the topic, the story just came to me and I sat, I literally sat over the course of a week and just wrote the story. Oh. So that was my process. I know from talking to many writers, that's not always the case. There's revisions, there's five, six, seven revisions. There were certainly revisions to the story, but the bulk of the story was written after the after the research. And so because this, this story, uh, well, the story in the process is, of course, each writer has their own magic and the way they do it. And I think this is amazing because it's it's a very profound, and as well, it has a, it's the kind of stories actually that I love because it has the a kind of this sense of um, non or timeless um, uh, narrative, and as well, like you said, it's it's very very special because in one end is humanizing, of course, one of the biggest histories in history, and as well the invisible people around him because, of course, any person in history from Jesus to Buddha to to anyone. And the family, <laughs> it had some relatives, it had to have the mother and the father, or the wife, or a girlfriend, or something like that, or friends. So, one question here, and this is Music for series. So, how did you then pick from the narrative and you create the music? Because, of course, this is an entire, there's an entire soundtrack, there's an entire music around this, and there's as well the, the, the illustration. So, you have effectively created the, a multiple uh, uh, multimedia creative platform here yeah. on this. That actually is very similar to the way a movie is made, you know, because I've gotten into movie production much later in my career. And um, it's very intuitive because you do start with the script. In this case, I started with the story, the outline. I illustrated the outline so that it was scenic. That means each scene had a specific point of view in the same way, I, I guess, a director would say, OK, the dialogue appears in X scene. So you story, illustration, once you have your book pages, it's kind of works where every two or three pages, there's a song and you then evolve it to where, okay, well, this is what it would like if it's a Broadway musical. This is what it would be like if it's something that's a TV series that's scored. So you kind of work your way from the guts of it, script, and then visually what it is, and then scoring the visuals with the soundtrack. You know, I had actually, in this particular case, I had actually done a full 12 songs, but I only put up three because when I reevaluated where I wanted to go with the music, I became convinced that the music had to be the same sort of collaborative, collaborative effort that um, I had been espousing for many years. It, it had to involve different types of sounds and, and influences. And only three out of those 12 songs fit the criteria. So I yanked the nine and kept the three. Wow. 
And, and for instance, can you tell us how people can find it? Because it's always better to come from you. Of course, we'll put all of this in written, but I want to, for both the book, if you can tell where to find it and the songs. Um, I updated my website, amritasen.com. And if you look in the book section, there's four books on the website. One is the regular version of Cosmic and Eternal Love, the retelling of the story of Radha Krishna, and an art edition of that. And the second book, which is Awaken, the story of Buddha's wife, there's both a square coloring book version and then there's a wall art version of it. The wall art version of it is interesting because the intention is to take, tear out the pages or print the pages and frame it as wall art. So I'm also going to be making the wall art available through my website. Amazing. So, so keeping, um, I want to touch more on this process and uh, I will be conscious of your time, but in terms of, um, in terms of this process, so at the moment, so we have fantastic history and of course it touches, um, well, one of the most profound uh, narratives around one of the most iconic personalities and most influential personals in the history of humanity. Then there's the narrative of the drawings and then there's the music that you just mentioned. So on the process of the drawings that are particularly special in the narrative, and of course it's available on your website and everyone can see, how do you work that part? Because I'm particularly interested that you touch music, sound and writing all together. Mm -hmm. um, and I want to touch that because of course from this you can make a film, you can do uh, an animation film, you can do a real film because the story is very compelling. Um, I want to go through this because I think it's very important how you touch all these different areas. Well, the writing is probably the hardest because the writing is you're just inventing it out of thin air. So I really have a lot of compassion for writers. I really do. They have the hardest, in my, in my experience with this book, that's the hardest of the three jobs. The writing, the illustration, the music making aspect of it. And then of course, the last, which is your job, Dennis, is the commercialization of the product, okay? Um, the illustrations was, uh, the, making the illustrations was probably a six to one year, six months to one year process. You, everybody works differently, but I build tons of reference images. Like for each part of the story, I may have, 15 or 20 reference images as to what really gets the emotion of that scene. So for instance, when you talk about the, the main, um, one of the things that most people I believe remember about the story of Buddha is the before and after of his mind, right? He lives and goes out to this city that has so much opulence and gold roads and it's just, nonstop glamour, you know, of his kingdom. Then there's a switch, right? It's a, it's the switch is as soon as he goes past a certain threshold, you know, the mythological crossing of the th threshold, he sees poverty, he sees human suffering, which is the real thing. You know, if you, if you think about the, the myth of Buddha is he is seeing the reality. He's seeing what life is like. And it's the pursuit of Dara, it's the pursuit of his wife's hut that makes him go and see this, which is the, my twist of the story. But when he goes and sees this, the depths of poverty, 
there's no way in an illustrated book, because I'm not doing a movie, there's no way to talk about the depths of poverty or to show people the depths of poverty in a scale that you would in a movie. So you have to find symbols. And the symbol I found of the depths of poverty is just an old man's hand with some coins. You know, because I remember when I was growing up as a child in India, we lived in a very small house, but right outside the house, there were all these beggars. There were lepers who would put their hand out and I put coins in their hands. I would do rayas, which is my scales on morning for my music. And then I would go out and then the person outside of our, our little flat would just say mago and put out his hands. So that image stuck with me as the symbol of what Siddhartha might have seen had he, had I been there, what he might have seen when he left the walls of his, of his palace or his city. You know, so what you have to find in an illustrated book are the symbols in your mind and find reference images to say, these are metaphors for what the emotion is at that time. And you just build, you just build and build and build and you have to um, be brave like anything else and just keep going. Oh, that's really special. Um, so I, I, we, are, we are wrapping up um, this series. So I want just to touch, so now in terms of ideas. So of course, there's a, there's a big process here, but we're talking about, well, of course, there's a lot of things here. You touch, of course, the perspective of a housewife looking at this. There's a lot of different things. So I would like to hear your version, how you see these things, um, and as well, what you try to infiltrate in terms of basic ideas. And of course, there's music for a concert, but there's other things that we've been discussing previously in the last session that I would like to touch here. So you wanna, are you mentioning the, the, the idea for the book or just ideas in general? I'm looking at the ideas for the book. I'm looking at the ideas, how you look at, um, at as well, for instance, the, the paper of the woman in history mm -hmm. and other things like this, because I think that's very important, I think, for this context. But as well, of, for instance, the music, the reference on music, the reference you are touching in terms of the areas, how you leverage from the creative process of the narrative in terms of history, the way Buddha is perceived, the way the woman is perceived, and as well, all the different things, because it's so complex. And as well, even your drawings reflect as well, um, Indian illustration and other things related. Yeah. Well, you have to have a premise, right? You have to, and it goes back to what we talked originally last week, Dennis, is you have to narrow in order to expand. And in my own professional career, I realized that I have to take a stand on certain creative premises. You know, I'm not going to be the person who makes action movies. I'm not going to be the person that is writing about, uh, is writing novels. I'm very specifically an Indian artist who brings Indian mythologies, art, music to the Western world. That's my thing, right? It's very narrow. I'm an Indian um, person living in Los Angeles, which is the artistic capital of the world, still, maybe not in the next five years, but I still am here with access to a lot of artistic people. How am I gonna stand out of the heap, right? The way I think I can stand out of the heap, and this is what I encourage everybody to do, is really narrowly define who you are first to later expand it. My definition of who I am is I have a sense from my childhood training 
and because I went back and forth and lived there, of certain types of Indian art, Indian music, Indian mythologies, and Indian storytelling. I have a thing for that. So what I decided to do based on that was, let me just pick a bunch of Indian mythologies and retell them. By retelling those mythologies, it'll be a great platform for me as a writer. It'll be a great platform for me as an illustrator and as a songwriter and a singer. So that's that's kind of how it all worked. And I, like I said, I would encourage everybody to go through that same exercise, is narrow before you expand. And think about it. Now that I've kind of put a stake in the ground on Indian mythologies, there's so many Indian mythologies. There's so many you can retell. I'm already producing two movies that retell Indian mythologies. One is the great movie, the great mythology of Hanuman. And my, you know, my colleague and I would say friend is Tiger Shroff who's starring in it, you know? So it is very much sticking to the thing that I think where I could stand out. Oh, and that's the massive standout. And of course, for people listening to us that know less the, the producing vertical of Amrit. Amrit is actually at the moment one of the biggest producers in the world in terms of Bollywood and Hollywood and making the bridge. And of course, there's always this creativity, but she's as well producing big series and big things uh, on the vertical. And actually, precisely as well, making the bridge between Hollywood and Bollywood, which is quite impressive. Well, I think there's a lot of things here for Digest. Um, we're going to put all the links into what we discuss here. Of course, there's a lot of questions that I have more, but I think I want everyone listening to us to digest. And especially, please listen to the reading of the book again, because it's really special. Listen to the music as well, because it's available, and both in the website of Amrita, like she mentioned, and as well, you can actually find the book an issue. And uh, please share these special moments, because I think this is really quite unique. Thank you, Amrita, once again. We'll come back for the volume series three shortly in the next week. Thank, Thank you. you.